welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast, our New Year's Eve edition. Joining us once again, just uh, hanging up his Santa suit for the year, the one and only Ray Jewel. Ray, welcome back. It's always good to be here and looking forward to this uh, brand new year, another year of uh, Basic Bible Podcast. Absolutely. So, But we're not there yet. We're, it's not a new year yet. No. Tomorrow, no. Well, well, today's New Year's Eve. Yep. At least when we're recording this, it is. Yes. And so we're not talking about next year yet. We're going to look back at last year. Yes, we are. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of blogs, whatnot, like to put out their list of the top 10 books of 2018 or the top whatever. Uh, And we're going to kind of do that today. Mm -hmm. But we're not necessarily just focused on books that were published in 2018, but uh, books that uh, we've read during the past year that have been a blessing to us or a challenge to us or... Mm -hmm. Or whatever, and so uh, and, and sent to us by David B. Swanson. <laughs> yes, many of them sent by David. Like we could just do a whole uh, episode just based on Dave Swanson books. Yes. Unfortunately, Dave could not make it to the podcast today. Right. Uh, he had some things going on, but uh, he, he probably had to finish two or three more books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we get into all that, I, I want to feature. I want to just take a second and mention a few books that. Uh, we featured here on the podcast mm-hmm. this year uh, authors that we've interviewed or books that we had to do with. Um, the first one is From Death to Life by Alan Nelson, um, and that's a book on the basic the doctrines of, of Calvinism, which Ray loved. He loved that book and mm. thought, no, well, I like the book. I, I don't know book. that Ray even read that one. <laughs> um, I should lend you my copy. You should. And, uh, or better yet, I should buy you a copy. And then Alan could get a few more bucks in royalties. Yeah. Um, or he could just send me a signed copy. There you go. That I could give to you. Ah, well. Uh, and then maybe that would convince you from your heretical views. Well, it, may, and, it uh, might convince me to read it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was from Death to Life uh, by Alan Nelson. He's going to be back on the podcast. So during it, our next it's about, it was about the basic tenets of Calvinism, huh? Well,. I don't think he, I don't remember if he mentions the words Calvin's, but but we're talking about it's really about salvation. Well, that's the um, the, the title implies that yeah. strongly, so that's what I thought it was doing, because uh, without having read the book, but uh, that is certainly the message of uh, the gospel. Right. That we go from this death to life because of Christ and through Christ, and and it's really a book that's I don't know if it's so much. I mean, it certainly is from a reformed perspective, mm-hmm. um, but I think where you would where you would certainly agree with the book is it, it, it's a uh, slam against a lot of uh, easy believism mm-hmm. and what we false conversions. Right. Um, and so I, you would you would appreciate. In fact, there's a couple of chapters in there I think you'd actually appreciate, mm-hmm. um, even if you disagree with uh, you know uh, some of the other reform material. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Restored, Living and Loving After Abuse by Don Woodard, a, a good friend of mine, been a real blessing to me uh, from my early days of ministry. And this book is a blessing, I think, to those who who are struggling with recovering from early childhood abuse. And um, if you're in that, that boat, I'd, I'd recommend you get this book. And then, Well, uh, and, you know, the, and that would probably have something to say to the spouses out there. Yeah. Typically the women who have been abused right. um, and though the little opportunity I've had to delve into people's lives who've gone through that it's usually doesn't start at the spousal area it starts yeah. with their dad right. abusing them and that's becomes in some warped way their understanding of what love is yeah you know if if I'm not being abused, then my spouse must not love me. Therefore, I will allow this to go mm-hmm. on, and I will go back to it as long as I can. Yeah, and it's just a vicious cycle. It is a very that. vicious cycle, and the fear is, you know, you're going to end up with damaged spirits, but right. possibly even death, and that's yeah. just something. You know, I think that's where I would say that the Bible comes out strongly against that kind of treatment. Oh, right. Even though the Bible has been used to justify that kind of treatment. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, the other book, uh, Authorized, the Use and Misuse of the King James Version, is again excellent. I can't recommend this book enough. Uh, in fact, we're going to be 
the author is going to be uh, on this podcast right now. Oh, okay. In just a few minutes. Cool. Uh, Mark Ward uh, from, I know he's worked with Logos Bible Software, and now he's with Lexington Press. Uh, this is just an excellent book. I, I would really, from someone who comes from that background, a King James-only background, mm-hmm. this is a book that I could hand to another King James-only person and say, read this. It's friendly toward the King James, but also exposes some of the, the problems, mm-hmm. uh, especially with that King James-only view. Right. Uh, the, 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 the version itself is, is wonderful. Uh, but when you misuse that, mm-hmm. and it's the only acceptable translation, that becomes problems. So I did a great job with that. Uh, I, I'm always leery of anything that is that has only attached. To yeah. It. Um, it can it becomes abusive if it's driven too far. Yeah. And that's yeah. I've walked in, come into contact with people who have King James only. And that was frustrating. Well, you should stick around and, and talk to Mark. Yeah, well, I will try to. I will do that. Since you're, yeah, I have your ride, so you're today. gonna you're gonna stick around anyway. <laughs> All right, then the Holy Spirit by Michael Horton. That was a really treat for me. I, I've really enjoyed Michael Horton's uh, materials. You know, for people who have grown up in the church, unless you've grown up in a Pentecostal charismatic background. Yeah. And I think they get it wrong, which I think scares a lot of the others yeah. of us. Um, we don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Right. And to have people who are willing to go there and write material to try to help us get it better yeah. um, is a helpful thing for, for him to do. I, you know, I, I understand the Holy Spirit a lot better as I read through the Bible. I'm just, I'm on my last three chapters of making it through for this year. Mm. And um, uh, so the, the last three of the book of Revelation. But the, the Holy Spirit is a whole lot more than we realize. Right. I mean, the church, the church is the church only if we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And Ray is answering the Spirit's call right now. No, I, I <laughs> hung up. I hung up. It looks like some number that keeps calling me about, I need health insurance uh, or something, which is true, but I can't afford it. So. Well, the Holy Spirit by Michael Horton, again, it's a real treat. Yeah. We, we actually uh, took well, it you, a you know, Michael that. Horton is one of the authors, one of the Christian authors out there that I have come to appreciate mm. and trust. Um, he's a good guy. He's you know, to me, he, I think he would be the the reformed traditions, N.T. Wright. Because hmm. to me, N.T. Wright is, you know, the, I I look to N.T. Wright his commentaries when I do sermons. Um, his, you know, if I'm write, wanting to write a book or something or an article or something or a paper, I will look to what N.T. Wright has to say. And Horton fits into that. Category. Now, I don't think he would put that on his newest book, you know, uh, Michael Horton, the Protestant N.T. Wright, or the Reformed N.T. Wright. Um, his latest book is uh, two volumes set on justification. I have a feeling that Horton and, and Wright would probably have some disagreements on yeah. like, the whole new perspective on Paul. But anyway, <laughs> um, we should have Michael Horton back to talk about that. We should have a debate between Horton and N.T. Wright. Well, that would be, um, a, that would be a coup. N.T. Wright doesn't return my emails. But have you okay. bothered? Ryan? I did. I did once. I he okay. had NT Wright has been invited on the podcast. Okay, I did. Um, so if if anyone's out there who knows NT Wright, yeah. uh, you know, send them I, my I way. Did, I <laughs> had to. Annette, my wife, surprised me one day. We, well, actually, he was speaking ever at uh, in Bristol at, uh, at or not Bristol. What's the name of the where Stuart Briscoe was the pastor for years. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of anything. Uh, yeah. Elmbrook, I think. And we went over to hear him speak, and then and she bought me several uh, tapes or um, videos and a tapes. book or two. Wow. Yeah. That goes back. Well, videos. <laughs> stuff, but. All right, so that's uh, the Holy Spirit. Then uh, Cobra Kai and Sanctification. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. That was a fun little interview with Zach Bartles, who is one of my favorite podcast hosts, who... What, he's got like four or five podcasts out right now, uh, different podcasts that he has a hand in hosting. And so that was fun. Uh, I hope he'll come back on the podcast sometime soon. And then uh, a book that you and I both read, Ray, mm-hmm. A War of Loves. 
yeah. by, uh, by David Bennett. Yeah, you know, and that's, that is still launching. Um, they I think it just launched in Australia just, something mm-hmm. this week? Well, yeah, that could be. I know they were launching in Great Britain. and So he's definitely going worldwide with his yeah. message. Um, it's a good book to read. Uh, it helps understand the plight of um, a homosexual celibate Christian. Um, you know, that's, that's for those of us who didn't grow up with that in our lives to even get to the place where we can understand that there is such a creature as yeah. that is is a helpful thing um, you know, and his he he brings it at you know it's not from God that he's that this way it's it's a result of uh, sin entering into the world and I appreciated that perspective yeah. and thought of it that way before um, and his struggle with, and his you know two or three year struggle of how how do I live this life as part of the church that that Christ has called me to be a part of, and uh, he does a very good job of, of laying that out for for people, and you know, I I hope that the book is successful and yeah. that uh, he will continue to have a. Uh, a, a platform in order to spread the, because it, uh, ultimately it's it's a message of grace, right? And that's that's a huge. Yeah, you and I both like that book. I mean, I we both have some disagreements here and there, um, and I don't think we share some of the more charismatic tendencies of the author. Mm-hmm. But the, the basic gist of the book, the basic message of the book, is very helpful. It's helpful for us who who don't have those struggles. But I think it would be extremely helpful for someone who does. Yeah. Um, and really, it points people back to Christ, points people back to the gospel. And so uh, that's extremely helpful. And yeah, it's a, it's a great book. And then uh, a book we just mentioned uh, just recently on the podcast, uh, Susie, The Life and Legacy of Susanna Spurgeon, Wife of Charles. Uh, it was a really good book. I enjoyed that. I had a good time with the author, uh, Ray Rhodes, who also is going to be here on the podcast with us in just a few moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Susie uh, Spurgeon is someone I, I didn't really, I, of course, being a Baptist, Charles Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers, I know him backwards and forwards, but mm-hmm. never really understood his family life or his wife. And uh, Ray, you'll like this. I mean, talk about smashing down complementarian stereotypes. After Charles died, she actually planted a church. Good for her. Um, and uh, that's not what I, I would have expected. Uh-huh. And uh, she had a very fruitful ministry, even apart from Charles. And so I'd urge you to buy that book. That's a really good book. Um, and then coming up, we've, I've already recorded this interview, but we, I haven't aired it yet. Uh, angels by Michael Heiser. Uh, that's going to be a good interview. And it's really, I think, the best book on angels that I have read. Hmm. Um, we're going to be featuring that book in January. Whenever we wrap up our uh, Attributes of God series, mm-hmm. uh, that'll be the next episode, uh, even though, again, it's already pre-recorded. Uh, so I'm going to count it in 2018. Okay, we'll let you. Um, and so you have a, a preview of what's, of what's to come. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about you and I personally. Uh, what are some books that you've read this year that, that have had an impact on you that you've enjoyed? Well, the main one that I would have to have to say it really did uh, open my eyes quite a bit to the way the face of American Christianity is going is by a guy by the name of Sun Cha Ray, Ra, R-A-H, and he's just basically saying, it's entitled The Next Evangelicalism, and he's saying hmm. that there's, there's a shift that's occurring now that uh, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant um, leadership in the evangelical church is losing ground, and but the, the one that is coming to the forefront now are those who are <coughs> from a uh, you know, different culture than us. And I, th- and I find it to be refreshing, that, that kind of thinking, because it's you know, emphasizing more and more and more 
what I see the Bible uh, talks about when it talks about Christianity and about you know trusting in the way things should be done biblically and not yeah. necessarily the way the American church does it. Just we have to remember that there are other Christians who are not a part of the American church. Right. We, we are very uh, American. We are, uh, I don't know, what's, what's the word? American central, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, yeah. in how we think about the rest of the world. Well, just this, this clip from uh, a review of it. The future is now. Just as global Christianity is shifting away from the West to the South and the East, so too is the North American church diversifying in terms of race, ethnicity, and culture. While some parts of American Christianity are in decline, others are experiencing transformation and growth as a result of increasing globalization. Spiritual renewal is happening in corners and margins not always noticed by those in the center. Soon Chang Ra calls the North American church to escape its captivity to Western cultural trappings and to embrace a new evangelicalism that is diverse and multi-ethnic. While many uh, white churches find themselves ill-equipped to minister to today's cultural uh, context, many immigrant and multi-ethnic churches are flourishing offering much needed alternatives for the church as a whole. The church is changing uh, to embody the cultural realities of the 21st century. Come discover the vitality of the next evangelicalism. Hmm. I, I mean, it's so, the book was just so, it was written back in 2008 or nine, something like that, but it's still so pertinent to our not just the, the church's culture of the day, but what we see in our political realm yeah. with everybody throwing out a lot of racial motivated uh, terminology, either you know, referring to the Republican Party as white, old, old white fat guys who are racist and KKK and Nazis and stuff, and, but then on the other hand, the Democratic Party is full of uh, communists and right, socialists and other things. And I think that, you know, if the church is going to be relevant to the changing culture, we've got to get beyond, you know, being the most segregated uh, part of society yeah. that exists every, you know, every Sunday morning, ten o'clock or eleven o'clock, whenever church is. That's usually typically the most segregated time that we have, and that's just wrong. It's not. Yeah. It's not biblical. No. So, what other books have you or on your list? Another one that I would recommend is a book on leadership by Andy Crouch by the name of Strong and Weak. I've heard of that. I've heard good things. Yeah, about that. it's uh, you know, he's the chapter one is basically saying. He quotes uh, Jim Collins and Scott Porras, the tyranny of the or and the genius of the and. You know, years ago I took mm. a class on 20, 20th century Roman Catholic theology, and the thing, the one thing that I took away from that class was this: the the, um, the Protestant view of things is an either or. Yeah. And the the Roman Catholic view of many things is a both and. And I think that both end is much more of a biblical approach. Now, the the the, the major either or is it's Jesus Christ yeah. is the only way of salvation. But we, when you have like in the church, we've got this discussion between you know salvation or uh, social justice. Well, when I look at Scripture, when I read how Jesus did life and what he taught what Paul taught, what the Old Testament taught, what the rest of the New Testament taught. It's not a either or proposition, yeah. it's a both and. Right. And I think coming at that from the aspect of, uh, you know, he gets into um, things like flourishing and suffering, um, just doing, doing things in a way that we're 
we're vulnerable, we're open, we're not abusing people as leaders. Um, and yet that's been so much of an issue over the years that, you know, I've, years ago I remember, you know, it was on talk shows all the time and you know how some talk shows hosts are on radio, they'll, they'll try to get both sides going after each other yeah. and that's not helpful either. It's not going to come up with a solution. No. But I think that... But it makes for great radio. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's what drives it. Maybe that's what we need to do more, huh? We don't have we great fight ratings. And argue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you know, the title, Strong and Weak, I think is, is important. I think the Bible says that it is in our weakness that right. God makes us strong and is able to use us because we are fully dependent on him yep. to to lead us into how to deal with this complex thing called people. Right. So um, two other books I forgot to mention when we were talking about books featured this year. Um, I forgot about one interview, and I forgot about it because I didn't actually read the book. Hmm. We featured the book, I interviewed the author, but I have actually yet to read the book, and that's uh, Donald Trump is Not My Savior oh, by yeah, yeah, Michael Brown. I wanted Brown. to read that one. That sounded really um, interesting. You know, what surprised me about that interview was that I was expecting something different. Uh, Dr. Brown is a little more pro-Trump than I expected. Mm -hmm. But he is willing to call out Trump when, when it needs to. Um, and so he's probably, he, he, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm a never-Trump guy. Uh, but uh, I appreciated the, fa the fact that he's willing to uh, call Trump out when he needs to. Mm -hmm. Then the other book I didn't mention, because we, we featured it, but we didn't really talk about too much, uh, except we have been, and that's The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the, our, our whole Attributes of God series has been kind of loosely based off that book. Right. Um, I know that was a blessing to me, and I know it might have been a little bit of a challenge to you getting through all the Reformed stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but maybe you learned a, a, a thing or two. A thing or two. I have to admit that. <laughs> and I, I mean, it certainly w it served well as a launching pad for our discussions. Right. And that, uh, that's good. So one of the others that I, I haven't read these in a while, but uh, Chris Fox, a friend of yours, mentioned it. Oh, yeah. And he'd gotten it for Christmas. Um, I'm into, well, I go in spurts with my reading. Sure. I, uh, there are times when all I wanted to read is fiction, and or Christian fiction. And, and uh, Frank Peretti is one of my favorite authors in that regard. Uh, this present darkness and piercing the darkness are yeah. just extremely well done. Uh, yeah, he's probably a little bit more charismatic than than I would normally be. Um, well, he's definitely deals a lot with uh, demonic and uh, angelic world and showing that you know there there's much more activity going on behind the scenes than we understand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but it, I enjoy the, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard to put down book. I mean, if, yeah. a, if a fiction book, if you can put a fiction book down within the first 10 pages, you're not going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to, got to grab you from the, from the beginning and, uh, and, you know, it's a page turner, uh, type of thing. And so Frank Peretti does that, um, I think uh, Karen Kingsbury does that too, uh, and she she deals with a lot more um, issues, day to day issues. Well, Peretti does too, but uh, well, my basic rule of thumb when it comes to fiction is if there's an Amish woman on the cover, I'm not, I'm not going to read it, <laughs> and that covers about ninety percent of Christian fiction books. Uh, the only fiction book I read this year was The Giver. Um, yeah. And that's got some certain worldview uh, yep. implications that made some good conversation in my classroom. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, you know, put my endorsement behind it. No, I, um, I couldn't. I I read that back when I was still summoned in the Beloit School District, and because uh, it was a assigned reading for a literature class, and I'm, I was. I was sort of frustrated by it. Mm. It it reminded me a little bit too much of. Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Mm. And well, let me get into some books I do recommend. Um, the first book I read this year, uh, The Secret Battle of Ideas About God by Jeff Myers. It's a really good worldviews book. In fact, I should lend you that book sometime. Mm -hmm. 
really good. Um, and then uh, the, uh, the Church Trilogy by Joe Thorne. And I'm going to get Joe Thorne on this podcast. We're going to go, or not we, but I'm going to go to a conference with him uh, in a couple of months. Oh. Um, I'm hoping to get him on, uh, on the podcast. Uh, his, th- these are very, very short books. I think they're maybe about 100 pages or less each. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very practical, uh, yet very biblical. Um, the Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down by Al Mohler is really good. Uh, it's about the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I did a review on the blog for that. That was a, a blessing. It really went through the Lord's Prayer in an in-depth way, um, but yet a readable way. And then just recent, in fact, I just finished this book yesterday. I started it yesterday. I finished it all in one day. Mm. It was only about 46 pages. So. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, this is a book that you've got to read. In fact, I can get you a free copy of this book. Okay. Uh, we, should get, we should interview the author together. Okay. Uh, the book is entitled... What time is purple? Hmm. What time is purple? Mm-hmm. The answer is three. No. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's basically, it's, a, it's an evangelistic tool, but it gets into, it's a, it's a worldview presentation. Yeah, I, I was going to guess that it had something to do with worldview yeah. and, uh, and it's, it's basic, postmodern. Yeah, it, it, it's basically a, a, a contrast between a biblical theistic view and an atheist view. Mm-hmm. Um, and the imagery he's using is driving down the road. Um, and basically he's, he's talking about some just basic ridiculous questions that you can't answer apart from a Christian worldview. Right. Uh, and you know, what is, what, what, uh, time is purple. Yeah. It'll be one of those. And that was a, it's a really short book. It's, it's, I know it's used more as an evangelistic tool, but that's something we should What talk was the about. author's name? Um, the author's name, now that you mention it, it's right on the tip of my tongue. It's Tom Hammond. Uh, this has been used. I know Todd Friel on Wretched Radio uh, really promotes this book. In fact, that's where I got the book from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a free copy. In fact, they're giving away. I think it's like packages of twenty for free. Oh, really? um, so I I need to get on that and, and, and get one of those. So uh, well, Ray, that that's kind of where you're at, where I'm at. But I went around and I asked several other people, "What's a book that either challenged you or encouraged you this mm-hmm. past year?" And so I asked several. Uh, pastors and friends, and uh, this is uh, what they came up with. Okay, we're with uh, Pastor Ray Rhodes, and uh, he is uh, the author of the book Susie, the Life and Legacy of Susanna Spurgeon. You might remember the interview we uh, conducted with him uh, just recently, and he is also the pastor at Grace Community Church in Gainesville, Georgia. And so, uh, Brother Ray, since you, you know quite a bit about Spurgeon. Could you recommend a, a good biography for our listeners to, to read on the life of Spurgeon? Yeah, I think the essential work to read is the autobiography of Charles mm. Spurgeon, uh, autobiography of C.H. Spurgeon. Truth is a two-volume uh, edition from Benner Truth. Uh, and there's also, you can get a the full four-volume. It originally came out in four volumes, mm. and that has been put together by Pilgrim Publications, unabridged, so the full work. So if you really want to dig even deeper, then you'll get that. But the uh, banner of truth is sufficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot, uh, a lot of material in that. The autobiography of C.H. Spurgeon, you'll want to get it because it gives you the inside scoop of, uh, from Charles himself. Even though he didn't write it, uh, it was put together by Susie and his secretary. But also, you're going to get the inside scoop about Susie uh, mm-hmm. in there as well. So uh, it was a major source of the full volume for my own work in Susie. So I would start with that, and that'll take you a few months to get through. <laughs> okay, so we're here with Pastor Jesse Biernick of the Resonate Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. We're also here with a small little in-studio audience, and this is where they applaud. Okay, uh, but they're not supposed to be here right now. So anyway, Pastor Jesse, we're talking about books uh, you've read this past year that have been a blessing to you or an encouragement or a challenge, uh, what have you been reading that fits that mark? You know, currently I'm reading a book uh, by Nick Ripkin. Uh, the book is called The Insanity of God. And uh, the book is about, um, he gets called to Somalia, out of all places, in the middle of a, a civil war in Somalia. And uh, the ugliness of, of sin and what's going on there is just terrifying. Um, and I think the book is, is made for you to feel the pain of what sin is in, in the world and, and kind of get a heart for, for missions, international missions. 
Um, I mean, some of the stories that he was sharing about people dying of starvation, that as they walk or they're driving their trucks, and they're basically having people that are dead on the side of the road, and as they go into houses in that village and see moms and daughters um, just bent over tables or chairs, dying of starvation, you just get this feeling of this is what we're supposed to be doing, is caring more about missions, um, but it's been really attacking or making me feel that, man, what is this trying to say to me in Janesville? You know, like how in the world is God, what is God calling me to do in Janesville um, and to break my heart over it for the people here? Because whether we want to believe it or not, um, people are spiritually dying here in Janesville as well when we're, and, uh, and that's kind of really what God has been, you know, not, I shouldn't say attacking, but really placing on my heart um, of how to reach the city with the gospel. So the Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. Yes, sir. All right, I'm here with Jordan Cernick, who is the English professor. I'm going to say professor instead of teacher, because that sounds more professional. Yes. Uh, here at Rock County Christian School, the guy who is annoyed by me, every my loud voice carrying over the hallway uh, across the way where he's at. Uh, but Jordan, we're, we're asking a whole bunch of people, in fact, including your pastor, uh, name a book this year that had an impact on you. And you've been telling me about one book, and so... Uh, tell us what book that is and, and why that's had an impact on you. All right. Yes, I, I was using this book primarily to prepare studies that I was doing at a, uh, for a service at a prison um, in Dane County. And I was working through the book of Romans, and I picked up R.C. Sproul's commentary on Romans. I think it was part of his St. Andrew's... Yeah. Uh, the pulpit series. Yeah, the pulpit series. <clears throat> and it just, I mean, it really benefited me. Um, uh, for one, Sproul's historical connections that he's able to make, he, he's, able to, he's able to argue, uh, present biblical truths without, without being opinionated or, or defensive or anything like that. He, he, he lays these things out, these arguments out so well that Paul is making, first of all, in Romans. Um, Sproul was a teacher, and uh, that's, what, that's what comes across in his book. He's able to take these com this complex material and bring it down yeah. to a very tangible um, That's what I love level. about most. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Um, and that's what, exactly what he does in this commentary. He keeps, he, he keeps uh, God's sovereignty central as he works through Romans, and that's exactly what Paul does. Um, so I was really enlightened um, into Paul's arguments and uh, just by Sproul's anecdotes and his... Uh, just his different um, his comments on, on Romans and he takes it very methodical and takes uh, sometimes whole pages just on one verse or one phrase so uh, very thorough study of Romans now tell us a little bit about how I've had a huge impact on your no just kidding thank <laughs> you very much we don't have time for that. <laughs> all right so we're back with Aaron White it's been a long time since you've been on the podcast it has but it's good to be back but we're, uh, we're talking about books, and I asked you to name a book this past year that, that challenged your thinking or, or encouraged you, and you came up with Depression, Anxiety, and the Christian Life, Practical Wisdom from Richard Baxter by uh, Michael Lundy, who's a medical doctor. Tell us about that book. It was a book that, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and so a lot of my time is spent in, in counseling or discipleship, and more and more as I've, you know, even in my own life, just struggling with, you know, various levels of anxiety and depression and things, have found great comfort in looking at saints of old mm. who have struggled in these areas. You know, as far as we could tell, it looks like Martin Luther struggled. Yeah. John Bunyan. We know Spurgeon struggled right. greatly. I read his, his uh, biography by Arnold Dallimore a couple of years ago and was just so encouraged to see how God sustained Spurgeon through those things. So when this book came up, um, Depression, Anxiety, and the Christian Life, I knew that Richard Baxter, kind of one of our Puritan forebears, had taken copious notes on his time of counseling with people in his church. So he takes a lot of what Baxter discovered as far as how to apply the gospel holistically to the people under your care, both their spirit and their body. Hmm. And so this medical MD kind of is kind of just going through that and reapplying it in fresh ways. It's a very approachable book. You don't have to know a lot about Puritan history or even medical jargon. Uh, to enjoy it, mm. but I found it to be very, very helpful and balanced. Awesome. Well, thank you. Hey, real quick, last week you were on the podcast, I gave you this great ornament 
Yeah. Uh, what have you done with that since in, in, in the week following? Well, I was going to put it on my Christmas tree, but it didn't. It just kind of got lost among all the other ornaments, and I thought something mm. of that caliber demanded more attention. So I actually taped it on my bathroom mirror so that whenever I'm brushing my teeth, I can see you staring back at me. And I, I kind of have little conversations from time to time, and quite frankly, I, I count that as my morning devotional. I'm a little scared right now. <laughs> right. We're here uh, with Mark Ward. Actually, Ray Jewell just walked into the room. Um, but, uh, and, and raise our co-host for this episode on this year-end review of books. And so we have uh, a guest we've had on the program before, author Mark Ward. Uh, among other books, he's authored the uh, Authorized, uh, the Use and Misuse of the King James Version. And so, uh, Mark, welcome back to our podcast. Thanks for having me on again. So, Mark, uh, what's a book, we're asking everybody, what's a book that, that's challenged you this year or had an impact on you? Boy, um, challenged, maybe not as much would be the right word, but had an impact on. So I'm I'm being really specific for a reason here. Sure. Uh, Picking on your question, um, because I'm going to pick a book called Educated by Tara Westover. Hmm. Um, This is the story of a fundamentalist, extremist, isolationist, separatist, survivalist, Mormon, who is uh, in Idaho, not, I guess maybe about a decade younger than I am, <clears throat> and her parents descend further and further into conspiracy theories about the Illuminati uh, and the terrible government out there who's out to get them, and they're not apparently very physically far away from the Ruby Ridge uh, Weaver okay. family, which was infamous, and yeah, that just really 90s. sent her dad over the edge. Wow. Uh, and sh- her story is of growing up not homeschooled but unschooled with parents who did love her but who um, put her in really dangerous situations both in the scrapyard in which her dad made the money that kept the family going at that time and with an older brother who turned out to be physically though apparently not sexually abusive not that I'm minimizing the physically abusive right. In fact, uh, it was really terrible. Um, and how she, uh, I think this much doesn't spoil the story for people because this is what gets them reading in the first place, but she escaped and went to Brigham Young University it, almost by miracle. Um, and then on to Cambridge, back to Harvard for a fellowship, and then back to Cambridge for a PhD. And uh, the story, of course, is stirring, but she's a really excellent writer. She'd never done any writing like this before, and I was really shocked at her skill, her insights, her turns of phrase. And the story, you know, um, could easily turn into a self-empowerment parable, and I think that's how a lot of non-Christian people have read it. Um, It's a self-help book, like... A Horatio Alger story, Alger, um, and she specifically says, "Don't treat the story like that." Although I, I don't know that she offers an alternative explanation. Yeah. But what I found so interesting, what was really impactful for me, I, I love epistemology. I, I love frames, doctrine of the knowledge of God, and I love thinking through how do we know what we know. And as I'm I'm listening to her story through the ears of non-Christian people whose reviews I had read and heard about this book before I read it, and I think that they saw it as a deconversion story because in the end she ends up this she ends up basically being a cultural Mormon but not really believing all the you know stipulations of, of the religion. Um, but you can only call it a deconversion story if you view the mainstream culture and worldview as being neutral and, and not being a worldview. It's just, it's just the way things are. You know, We don't yeah. look at the world through lenses made up by assumptions driven by our loves. And I can't read it that way because I'm a Christian. So, um, of course, I think her parents, I mean, if she's telling the truth, and I had every reason to believe that she is, um, and th- these things are fact-checked, and I've read some stories about this, if her parents indeed believe these things about the Illuminati and about essential oils and their God-given properties and the evil of the medical system, then yeah, they were crazy and their beliefs deserve to be on the fringe. <clears throat> but it's not as simple as saying, 
Um, now, now she's ridden off into the sunset, uh, and now she's normal. Because I, I, I think her story's not over. Yeah. You know, let's see how the new worldview does. Right. And tell me in 20 or 30 years how that one's worked out for her. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I wrote a review of this, and I'm writing a much longer review. I'm kind of shopping around in my mind where I want to send this, mm. um, exploring that question and, and, and posing that question to readers. Um, she hasn't deconverted, she's converted. Yeah. Now she's in a new worldview. Mm -hmm. And of course, living in a minority worldview myself, a biblical worldview, I, I'm also exploring, you know, how, when does the minority status of a view make it crazy versus, um, you know, the, the, the truth that, you know, the, the majority isn't seeing. Uh, because, of course, I know that educated people out there think I'm crazy for my beliefs in the Bible and in biblical sexuality and in what the Bible teaches about creation. So how can I exonerate myself, uh, at least in my own conscience, fr from the charge of being a total conspiracy theory weirdo um, who's either too stupid or too morally perverse to see the truth clearly? Hmm. Um, I, these questions have been coming at me again from this book and I think a healthy and interesting way and I, I think I have a way in my article which I've already written about let's see a bunch of thousands of words of 2300 words of to turn this back to into an apologetic because and I'll end here um, you know yes okay some of my views are viewed as crazy and stupid by the mainstream and I've just listed some of those but I look at the viewpoints of the mainstream and I say, you know, talk about crazy. You know, you're saying that everything came from nothing. You're saying that life came from non-life, that mind arose from non-mind. Where has that ever been observable? That seems crazy to me. Yeah. And I have quotes from C.S. Lewis saying the same thing, and even a non-Christian philosopher saying the same thing. So I'd like to turn the tables on the mainstream worldview, which I assume Tara Westover adopted. By the way, my heart goes 100% out to her. I feel very defensive for her. I'm rooting for her. Nonetheless, I'm saying your story's not over. Right. Um, you've, you've converted to another worldview. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. And I hope you're going to come back next year once you're – I know you're working on a documentary uh, based on your book, Authorized. And I hope you'll come and uh, chat with us about that a little more should be out actually it's finishing today and it oh, should wow. be out in january yeah so i'd be happy to chat about that absolutely okay i'm here with pastor bob bixby of the redeemer church in fremont california uh bob welcome to the basic bible podcast great to be here kevin thanks for inviting me now i want you to be on this edition of our podcast because we're talking about books and I mean, you're the guy who basically taught me how to read, uh, not necessarily the grammar or, or phonics, but uh, you taught me how to really digest a book, you know, even just the idea of not just reading a lot, but reading widely, and, uh, you know, the difference between, as you'd say, shaking hands with a book, or I'll clean it up and say, having a relationship with a book um, has been a great blessing to me. Uh, so I want to ask you the question we've been asking a lot of other people. What's a book that you've read this year that's made an impact on your thinking? Um, that's an easy answer. Uh, well, actually, there's two, but I'll give you one. Um, since that's what you asked for, The Experience of God by David Bentley Hart. Hmm. He's an Eastern Orthodox uh, uh, philosopher. And the goal of this book was to argue uh, the philosophical basis for the existence of God. And I've been doing a lot of thinking on classical theism this year and reading some on natural, uh, natural theology and so forth. But this was the best. It was a hardest read. It is not an easy read. Um, I had to look up words. I think I have a decent vocabulary, but I had to look up words. Hmm. And I had to reread sections. But um, the reason I liked it was because he, this is starting at the very, very beginning with what I would call intellectual pagans who 
Uh, he's not really, he doesn't mention scripture. All he does that uh, really promote Christ. It's He's leaving it to one simple argument, and that is to show the foolishness of and the simplicity of the of popular atheism that's really huge here in the Bay Area. Hmm. And then he also addresses uh, questions like AI, artificial intelligence, and uh, the matter of consciousness. Um, but it really, um, in the end, he, he, he wraps it up to just talk about the experience of God through contemplative prayer. But for me, because I, I tend to have always been one that uh, can struggle with the skeptical thoughts that come in at times, uh, my faith was just really strengthened with uh, some of the best arguments for the existence of God. And it also really uh, helped me understand uh, how I am in the image of God, the inexplicable consciousness of myself that uh, wherein I relate to God. And uh, for me, it was just, it was a great read. Also very relevant to the area that I live in that's secular and also in love with the conception of artificial intelligence. Mm. Now, you do have me curious. You, you said two books, and I have to know what the second book is now. <laughs> well, practically, the best book I read, just because it would kind of help me, I'm always trying to improve my life, and um, it was Atomic Habits, and I, the name of the author is slipping me right now. Um, it's, it's not a Christian book, but it just kind of was a little bit of a paradigm-shifting change in my thinking as far as... Uh, getting control of my life, uh, not through, you know, major changes, but through uh, little tiny habits that I instill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I noticed an immediate impact and, and uh, a positive impact in my life. So that was, a, that was a good read. What was the name of that book again? It kind of dropped out for a second. At- Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits, okay. I'm here with Pastor Phil Allen of the... Daystar Christian Fellowship of South Beloit, Dr. Reverend Philip Allen. That sounds more regal and uh, more official than you actually are. Yes! No, I think it's actually more appropriate. It better reflects me. Yeah. We're also here with my two kids, Tony and Tommy, who are down here for some reason, but they promise to be quiet. Okay, so, (laughs) Phil, we're asking uh, on, on this New Year's Eve edition... What's a book that you've read this past year that's either challenged you or encouraged you or impacted you in some way? Yeah, I appreciate the question. I, you know, I, I try to read several books a year. Um, two or three? Two or three, yeah, yeah. Some years I'm more successful than others. Yeah. You know, but honestly, if, if I was looking back over this year and thinking about it, and I'd actually mention a book that, I re, that I'm rereading this year. Um, you know that I, I struggle with worry. Um, I actually have a, a diagnosed anxiety issue. Um, and that's something that I battle pretty consistently. And, um, you know, there have been times when I felt like maybe we as believers don't handle that exactly yeah. the way we should. And, um, there was a book back when I was at, in the very worst throes of it. I came across a book by Jerry Bridges, hmm. who I, whom I really appreciate. Right. He wrote a book called Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. Hmm. And um, it is, I think, still the most profound and practical exploration of the sovereignty of God that I've come across. Wow. And um, it's biblical, it's solid, it's strong, and it provides just such a firm foundation for trusting him. And uh, I've been going back through that over the course of this year. And, okay. and it has impacted me more than any of the newer ones that I've read. So Trusting God Even When Life Hurts by Jim yeah. Bridges. Yeah. All right, now we're recording that. I'm curious, because you, you, you missed it at the beginning, but do you, do you have a, a book list or a, a number of books that you have? You set a goal for yourself each year or just whatever strikes your fancy? I kind of have a, I, I have a number that I shoot for. Um, I shoot for somewhere between six and eight hmm. books that, that not, and I guess by that, I mean, not so much that I just read, but that I actually kind of try to work through and, yeah. and digest. There are others that 
you just read in kind of a more throwaway way. Right. And so typically what will happen is right around this time of year, um, I'm probably not quite as intentional about it as I'd love to say yeah. I am. But typically right around this time of year, it seems like they're just kind of books that pop up that I think, oh, I right. really want to read that. So I actually have three of them sitting on my desk that I just ordered right now. And so... Um, I'm I'm less intentional about it than I should be, but but I I really do try to pretty faithfully read through, work through, uh, six to eight books a year. My goal is usually around fifty. Um, I hit that one year. Did you realize ago. though that you have to read more than the back cover to have read a book? Because that that's what my that, students do. I assume that's what. No. Yeah, but you know, even when I you know I, and I and I haven't hit that in years. I haven't even come close in years. In fact, this year my goal was 25, and I didn't even hit that. Oh. But even when I'm good at you know getting through books, I would probably say the number of books you know I seriously digest would probably be around six to eight. You know. Yeah, and that and so. that and that's what I discovered. You know, I think I love to read. Yeah. I love to read, and and I love to read for recreation as well. And so I'm constantly reading fiction books and. Yeah. And I, of course, I don't count those, but, but I, I discovered that it's important for me to find a few and take the time to really absorb them. Yeah. And, um, and that has been meaningful for me to handle it. Yeah. I've known a couple of pastors who have told me specifically they're trying to read less. Yeah. The upcoming year so they can really get through. Yeah. All right. So we're recording this just a few days before Christmas, even though this is the New Year's Eve edition but in this i do have a few christmas gifts for you <laughs> oh, boy. handcrafted so you don't have this okay so by whom handcrafted by me personally oh in the workshop i was i was hoping here's a a, a nice there. christmas ornament for you that you can cherish <laughs> and put on your tree and wasn't just my nice. two-year-old's leftover art craft project yeah, basic Bible podcast ornament with a picture of you and me. That is really meaningful. To I me. thought you would cherish that forever. I will. It'll it'll go right in the center of our tree where everyone can see it. But then the bigger gift is this shirt. I hope it's the right size because if it's not, your wife is lying. But our new basic Bible podcast shirt, <laughs> I'm silently <laughs> correcting your theology. Oh, that's great. <laughs> So, Merry Christmas well, and Happy you. New Year. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Well, Ray, that was fascinating, wasn't it? It certainly was. <laughs> I learned a lot about books. Well, uh, <laughs> Which is good because I like to learn about books and like to read. So. Well, at the beginning, so we, we've looked back and now we're going to look ahead just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, 2019 is going to be a great year for the Basic Bible Podcast. Uh, we're starting a blog. We are. And I'm, I'm hoping Ray's going to write for this blog. Sure. Uh, you know, we changed our website around a little bit. You, have already, you guys have already know that because I'm sure you're on there every day. Uh, but we're going to be actually putting some blog posts up there, and uh, Ray's going to be writing for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be writing for that, and I'll try to get a few other people. If you, in fact, if you're interested in writing for that, if you drop me an email, thekevinjthompson at gmail.com, thekevinjthompson at gmail.com. But one of the other things I'm really excited about, um, in the summer of 2019, uh, we're going to have a real special podcast. Well, actually, one of the things we're, we're going to be, uh, before you even get to that, in March, we're going to be at the uh, Rock County Christian School Community Strong Family Conference with Lee Strobel. Yep. And uh, the Basic Bible Podcast is helping to sponsor that event. We're going to have a table there. And I hope if you're in the area, or even if you're not in the area, drive up, uh, hear Lee Strobel and talk to uh, Ray will be there, too. Maybe I'll get Ray oh, yeah. at the table. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, maybe we'll do a live podcast from there. That would be cool. Uh, with, with Lee Strobel. With Lee Strobel would be awesome. That would be awesome. Um, you should contact him. I should. Um, we'll, we'll try to grab him. Uh, but then this summer, it's going to be the great debate. Oh, um, yeah. The, the big showdown. I, I did agree to this, didn't I? <laughs> the rumble in Rock County. Yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, but we're, no, we're not going to have it. It's a, we're not having a debate. But we are having a discussion. Uh, between uh, two uh, views of creation held among uh, conservative evangelicals. And to emphasize, this is not a debate between the wrong view and the right view, as opposed to um, two Christians with differing opinions. So this is a, 
uh, a friendly discussion, not a right faith. based based on our understanding of scripture. Right. So we're talking old Earth view of creation versus a young Earth view of creation. So uh, Ray will be giving the old Earth view perspective, and Michael Powers of uh, Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin, will be doing the Young Earth presentation. And I'm looking forward to that. I know Ray is, you're digging deep into some books. I know you're talking about uh, reading uh, some books by John Walton and others, mm -hmm. and preparing for that. Are you looking forward to it? Well, with fear and trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, especially as I read Walton, uh, his, he has three books on the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and the first book is on specifically on chapter one. And he's basically saying that Genesis 1 doesn't address the age issue. It addresses function, not material. Not, you know, and he doesn't say God doesn't create the materials. He does. But as you read through Genesis 1, the emphasis there is on what's the function. And, hmm. this, and this is being created for the apex of God's creation, which is his image bearers. And I really have appreciated his his uh, way of presenting that and taking that. And I, and I think it's accurate. I, I went into this with the understanding that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are more about theology than they are history. Uh, and they're answering questions for the people of God you know, during the time of Moses. Um, and that this is, you know, since nobody was there, Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a helpful tool for me to to read his perspective on that and to see that you know, and I and I agree, it's it is about function and how the orderliness of the creation um, is set up for mankind, and you know, we have the we have the stuff that we need to live. Well, that, if you want to learn more, tune in this summer for that. And I'm, I'm really excited. I'm a young Earth guy, but I'm, I'm really interested in learning uh, different perspectives. I can't say this is an issue that I've studied out in depth. And so I'm, I'm looking to learn from Ray here. Mm. Um, and well, that's, we've, we've, come, <laughs> we've come a long way in a year and a half then. Apparently <laughs> so. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And again, this is, this is a friendly discussion. I, I joke around the debate, but yeah. it's not. Uh, we might do it from the live city audience. Um, but what I think we should do is start one of those GoFundMe pages. I think we should do this at the Creation Museum uh, in <laughs> Kentucky. So if anyone knows Ken Ham, um, oh, put him please. in contact with me. I think uh, you guys should fund us, uh, fund the trip. Uh, we'll drive out there, pay for our gas, pay for our hotel, uh, our admission into everything. Maybe we can do it on the Ark. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, if you're interested in that, we'll, we will gladly take your money. Uh, I'm sure. Tax deductible. Well, well yeah, no, no, we got to no. do the 501. I don't want to. I don't. I'm already trying to get through a headache of uh, that. With I don't want to land up in jail by offering people tax breaks. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Well, so we, we've got a we've got a great 2019 ahead of us. We're also working on a series on the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. um, and I've got some other things going on with uh, five points of Calvinism and. Uh, talking about the ordinances, and I think we might even do some things about different denominations. And um, that would be interesting, I think, and, and I, yeah. somewhat helpful for people um, to really have a better grasp of uh, how come we have so many, right? Um, and what they are, because I think yeah. a lot of people misunderstand. Because you know, you, when you grow up in one denomination, you don't really spend time figuring out. Yeah. Uh, like I didn't even know what, what, the, what the world is a restoration. Right. Uh, until I met you, yeah. um, and and now I'm an ex. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, we should we should do a podcast on that. You have you back? We could do that. I um, mean, that's yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, uh, we're way over time right now, and it's probably even 2019 at this point. But anyway, thank you for joining May us. And so, <laughs> so don't forget to join in next week. We're going to jump right back into the attributes of God. We're going to finish that up here in the month of January. And then we've got some, again, uh, just a great 2019. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.